take our reading this afternoon from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. If you like to turn there. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. <coughs> Uh, short introduction uh, here to a lesson hopefully be beneficial to us um, on obedience a time of trial and as we discuss you know how it's times of obedience is hard if I was a title lesson that may be what would be title is when obedience is hard you know when a river is formed or a stream perhaps it's the shedding of water over um, of an overabundance of water that is in an area typically rain runoff or possibly snow melting and that water uh, will then because of gravity naturally you run to the lowest point because that's the easiest path for it to follow any softer areas where the there's less dense earth there or obstacles the water will eventually carve out and run through perhaps that area as well continuing downhill because that's the path of least resistance until it will inevitably find its way to a large enough basin that it can hold the incoming water as the rest evaporates, is able to hold what's left, or will leach out to the surrounding land. Perhaps a small stream will find its way to a larger stream, perhaps to another river or a larger river, and then the lowest point at the ocean, inevitably. All that simply by continuing to follow the path, the path of least resistance. And what this gives us, if you ever look at a map or you ever happen to be by a river, is it gives you a very twisted and a very crooked river. Likewise with us today, following the path of least resistance will lead us only to the lowest levels, but also will leave us twisted and crooked. While it seems easy, invariably doing the easy thing is always is, is dangerous, typically. It's a dangerous way for us to pattern especially our lives after. And I would offer that we cannot please God if we always do that which is the easiest. There are times that obeying God will demand that we do things that are not easy. James chapter 2 and verse 8, it reads, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole, whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The law that we are under today is, <coughs> excuse me, is not set up that we may you know, maintain a 95% average of that law and be satisfied. You know, you know, I never do 95% of the things that I'm told not to do, and I do 95% of all the things that I'm commanded to do. There's just this one thing that I refuse to give up in my life. Emphasis on refusing to give up that thing. We all stumble at times, 
we're saved by grace, but we just have this one thing that we decide we're going to do. What is one thing whenever all, I do everything else right? As we read here in James, that one thing is the whole law. It's our you know, deciding that we're going to go against the law of God. When we violate any part of God's law, we stand in condemnation of the law in its entirety. The test of true faith is if we obey the times when it's hard, and it is hard to obey. It means obedience when, you know, I may just not be in the mood. If we have the chance to make the right decision, to make a right choice in our lives, and we do not, we do, not do so simply on the grounds that we don't feel like it, what kind of commitment is it that we think that we really have towards God? How does that reflect on our feelings towards God? It isn't commitment at all. Honestly, Colossians 1.17 tells us the Son of God, <coughs> a member of the eternal Godhead, <coughs> that He is before all things and all things and, and, all, and in Him all things consist of. And this word here consists of meaning to band together, bring together, holds them together. What if God decided one day, you know, I really don't feel like keeping all this, all this up today. Keeping all these things together, the universe running as it runs, and everything going smoothly so that everything works just so. And I think I'll just let it go for a day or so. I've been consistent for thousands and thousands of years. What is one day? I just let all this kind of do whatever it's going to do, and I'll come back to it tomorrow. <clears throat> How would we feel about serving God who could just randomly at any time decide that he'd just let all the laws of nature and everything go and work completely on our own. Well, honestly, it wouldn't really matter what we thought because we'd all be dead because that's what it takes. The same God that gave us life is the same God, same God that sustains our lives day by day. Not only through our necessities he provides us in our lives, but through allowing the universe to continue to function as it needs to. If we are not in the mood, as it were, to obey God, that we're in a very, very dangerous state. And we need to change our mood and our minds quickly. We must make up our minds to be, as Paul instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, he tells them there, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, when it is convenient and when it isn't convenient. When we may have no issue whatsoever doing what we're supposed to do in times when we really struggle within ourselves to do as we know is right. Mark 12 and 30 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This is to be our attitude, really and truly, if we are not in the mood to obey God. That is disrespect for God, and that is straight disobedience. And sometimes it is hard to obey. It means obedience when we may not find it convenient. Felix, recall, is a prime example of postponing the right thing for a more convenient time. In Acts chapter 24, <clears throat> verse 22, it reads, But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or, or visit him. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might 
release him. Therefore he sent him he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Felix was convicted, but it wasn't convenient for him at the time to do what was right, to obey the gospel. And so he kept putting the right thing off and off until it became so difficult that he would never do it. That is the way it seems to be with the delay of obedience for an easier time. It generally gets more and more difficult. In Matthew 19, we have the rich young ruler. You recall there he's speaking with Jesus of what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus starts listing the commandments, and the young ruler says, I've kept all of these from my youth. We know the story. Perhaps at an even younger age, this man may have not have had such an issue with what Jesus commanded him to give of all that he owned. <clears throat> Maybe this wouldn't have been an issue, but now, even though he is young, he still has amassed a great amount of wealth, and he feels trapped by his possessions. And I hope that at some point in his life he you know, turned around <clears throat> and made a different decision. But the longer we put off the right decision, the greater the chance is that we do not make the correct one. The cost of discipleship rises, it seems, with time. Other things can get in the way if we were to take close examination of our lives, of our daily and our weekly schedules. We at times find that our routines, our habits, Brother Matthew spoke on this morning, things we allow to become habits in our lives, um, these things it will oftentimes be shown to be more important to us than the Lord's will. If that's the case thus today, you know, what do we do? <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew 6 and 33 tells us a popular passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Sometimes we get so consumed by our routine, and I'm a routine kind of person. When I get up in the morning, I can be, I'm out in my truck ahead of the gym in about nine to ten minutes. I've timed it multiple times. I, everything is lined up exactly as I need it to be. And if ever if Abram or anybody ever gets up in the morning and they meet me out in the hallway at about 4.30 or so, and I get disrupted, my whole morning is shot. I'll forget my gym bag. I'll forget my lunch. Everything will be messed up. Sometimes our habits are good habits. Our routines and our goals get in the way of what God would like for us to do. At times it seems almost God has to check in with us to schedule time in our lives. Again, how would we like to serve a God that treated us the same way that we often treat him? You know, Lord, uh, you come before his throne in prayers and you say, Lord, I want to come to you ask prayers on behalf of a sick family member, someone who is in need. And, and you know, here, sorry, you know, I'm full today. Check back next week. I may be able to squeeze you in, perhaps first thing Sunday morning, but make it quick because I have the rest of the week to get started on. So you better really think about what you need to say and get here bright and early. But that isn't the case with the Lord. He's ready for us to come to him at any time. And we should likewise have our schedules open for him at any time that we may be able to work him in, as it were. If we were to be if we are to be significantly involved, that is, in the work of the Lord's church, then at times that will involve interruption of our regular routines and commitments, the same as perhaps a baby might in your home. Some things can't wait, not even at 1 a.m. Sometimes on weekends, sometimes with your hard-earned money, with your time, obedience is not always convenient. Sometimes obedience is hard. 
It means obedience when we do not understand why the thing may be required of us. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 26. We have there, when a, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and sees what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. We do not always understand as the children of Israel here, why God may say a thing. We may think it's unfair. We don't comprehend it. Or how something may be as good for us or better than something else. But it's not always for us to know. Or perhaps it's left to be discovered from a further life of study and obedience. The Bible gives us some men of faith who trusted in God and obeyed Him. You recall the story of Noah. He was told that all the men on earth would perish but that God had made him a way of escape with his family. Noah was instructed to build this colossal boat and put all these animals in it and because a great flood was coming. And Noah did as God commanded. It took him, as we read, about 100 years to build it. But Noah had faith, and he obeyed. <coughs> Even though I'm sure he did not fully understand what all was going on and what, you know, the gravity of what was going to happen. But Hebrews 11 tells us that through his faith and obedience, he became heir of righteousness. Abraham, God told him to leave his country, leave his extended family, to leave from his father's house. God had a work for him. He told Abraham he would make him a great nation, that he would be a blessing and bless those who bless him, and he would curse those who cursed him. And so at 75 years old, Abraham did just that. Hebrews also tells us that when he left not knowing where he was going or what to expect when he went. He dwelt in the land as a foreign country. They dwelt in tents because he waited as an heir to the promise, we're told. He waited for a city whose foundations were made by God, and God held to his promise. Moses, God told that he had heard his people's cries, and so he, he told Moses he wanted him to go to Pharaoh and bring his people out of the land where they were slaves, that they may go and possess a land that was home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the, Hizzite, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Moses wasn't confident, but he did as God told him. He put his faith in God, and by his faith he also kept the Passover. By faith they would pass through the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho would later fall. And that faith is recorded in Hebrews as well for all time for us to look at as a monument for how we should have faith and trust in God. Sometimes it seems difficult. Sometimes it seems hard to obey. But we must have faith. It may not make sense to us some things. It may not make sense that adultery is the only grounds for divorce and remarriage. That may not make sense to us, but that is what God has told us. We may not understand why a cappella is how we worship in song during a worship service, but that is what God has said. Obedience can be hard when we don't understand why things required. And sometimes that just means we need to study more to better understand something in particular. But that's where having faith comes in. Sometimes it's hard to obey. It means obedience when it may not be our preference. And this touches back on 
<coughs> excuse me, a couple of the other points, but our own human wisdom and emotion can interfere with genuine obedience. Proverbs 14 and 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it but its end is the way of death. Jeremiah 10 and 21, for the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have sought the Lord, and have, have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Sometimes we have to understand that we're not as wise as we may believe we are. Or just because our emotions are pushing us in a certain direction, that doesn't mean that that is a good direction for us to go in. I doubt Abraham was just super pumped when he was told to take his only son Isaac on the mountain and sacrifice him, but he had faith in God. <clears throat> Naaman was not pleased with Elisha telling him that he should go dip in the Jordan River, but after some wise counsel from his servants, he obeyed and he was made clean. You recall our opening passage speaking of Jesus offering prayers to the Father on his own behalf that he, on what he was about to undertake. <coughs> This is spoken of also in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. It says, He, as Jesus, went a little farther and fell on his face and, and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Just because we wish a thing to not be so doesn't mean that it isn't and that it's not what is required and what is necessary. Sometimes it's hard to obey. Finally, we must be obedient, <coughs> even when it, you know, we feel it may embarrass us. Now, the word hypocrite is often used to describe someone who may be here on Sunday, pretends to be godly, and lives the rest of the week you know, in sin. A hypocrite can also be someone who may be here three times a week, and they do pretty decent throughout the week as well, but they pretend not to be a strong believer throughout the week when they're at work, they're at school, to try to avoid what others may, may be thinking of them or what others might say of them. John chapter 12, verse 42 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Luke chapter 22, and verse 54 says, Having arrested him, <clears throat> as Jesus, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man also was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Refusal to obey because we feel, may feel embarrassed is a denial of the Lord. Mark 8 and 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and his in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, a son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. <clears throat> and I think that most of us, perhaps not, maybe just myself, if I'm being honest, could think back on times in my life where I did not speak up about something when I knew I probably should have, or had something slide, perhaps laughed at a joke or dismissed a comment, hoping the topic would change, but not change get. You know, ourselves because we might be embarrassed to do so. 
Now, even Paul said to be consistent, he had to discipline himself. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Paul says, Do you not know those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an, for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Thus when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And Jesus, of course, being our supreme example of consistent obedience. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> when we bring things into perspective, really look at it and what all is at stake, disobedience <clears throat> should seem hard. Obedience should, should seem easy to us. When we realize the God that we worship and the Savior that died for us and our eternal souls are at stake, Obedience should be what comes naturally, and disobedience should be far from us. Closing passage this evening, Matthew 11 and verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This evening, may nothing stand in our way of being obedient to the Lord.